Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. We're in for a real treat today. Uh, my dearest friend uh, and his wife is with us today, Pastor Kevin and Melissa Goff. Would you both stand? Uh, many people, maybe. Uh, how many of you have never heard Pastor Kevin teach? Okay, wow. About half of you today, so we're growing and expanding. Pastor Kevin, pastors a uh, multi-site campus in Phoenix, Arizona. You should be okay today. You're only preaching twice. You usually preach five times on a weekend, so what's up with that? So uh, they have uh, and two campuses in, the, in uh, Phoenix. They have another campus in uh, Oklahoma and uh, constantly expanding with campuses. And they are really used of God in a mighty way. Uh, and we are so honored. He's, they are both on our board of directors. Uh, we have a board meeting today, so they flew in for that. Also, Kevin is one of my overseers, Rick Godwin, Dwight. You've met Dwight, Dr. Dwight. And Kevin are the overseers that call me, make sure I stay on track so that I don't fall off the wagon. And I appreciate that. That means a lot for somebody to check up on you, don't it? In a time in which a lot of people are failing. But at the end of the service today, we'll always do what we do. We're going to sow a very special love gift into Pastor Kevin and Melissa. And I'd like for you to stand to your feet and give Pastor Kevin a warm welcome as he comes today. Kevin Goff. That's great. Casey jumps. How y'all doing? That's good. That, this section is alive right here. Let, let me ask it again. How y'all doing? Now, those of you that do know me and know us very well, you know that I like participation, so if I have to get you to repeat it, the sermon gets really, really long because we're going over it again, so you just got to remember that. Can you say amen? Y'all yeah. want a fast sermon. I can, I, I can see that already. You want a really fast sermon. It is great to be back at the Father's house. We call it just now our Leesburg family. I see people that we've met along the way through the, the past several years that we've been a part of this and the staff and and all that's, uh, that you're here, and I shake your hands, see your faces, love being with you. Met some new friends today. I, I know I met Grace and Roy. I think it's their first time here today, and got to meet them and say hello to them. I apologize that it's not Pastor Terry teaching, so they would come back maybe and visit again. Um, but we're going to have a good time. How many is ready for a good time? Uh, I, I just want to say off the bat, though, we do, we do love your pastors. And I mean that. He is definitely, and I told my wife, I said, he has, through the years, become just the best friend a person could have. And uh, Anita, Pastor Anita, is like my sister, which for her is a really bad thing. And for me, is a really fun thing. And, but I just cherish them. My wife and I both cherish uh, your pastor so much. And I know that you are blessed. You know you're blessed. Because as we travel, and we do get to travel quite a bit and speak different conferences and marriage and various things because of our testimony, You'll be surprised how many ministers and churches are closing down or quitting the ministry today because of loneliness, because of pressure, because of failure. And so we stand together not only as you know friends and family, but we as a church stand together. We pray for our pastors. We stand with them. And if you feel blessed to have them as your pastors, I don't want you to sound like you're rooting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or your favorite team. Come on, I want you to let them know how proud you are to call 
the family here, your family. Yeah, come on. Yeah, come on. Yeah, come on. Come on, cheer them on. Yeah, we're cheering them on. <laughs> Woo! So first-time guests, welcome to this great, big, crazy family that you will love to call your family. Also, sitting next to them, of course, is my lovely, lovely wife. Uh, she's been with me for a long time now. We started dating when she was 15, and I was 17. And through the years, of course, you've heard our testimony how we were pastoring, and, and our marriage fell apart. We divorced. God restored our marriage, and she is now my second wife. Um, yeah, and you're like, you married the same woman? No, I married a totally different woman. Um, and she's better, better than the first, and because she got a new husband, right? Because she got, she got a new husband. So that's really what it's all about. And I know you do a confession. Can I try to do a confession with you? I'll try it. If they pull it up, I'll try to say it with you. Is it going to come up? Are we doing it together? Is it coming up? Is it happening? Here it is. Let's all say it together. Get your Bibles in your hand. Let's say it together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient. I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, let me just have you turn to the book of Hebrews, if you would. And I won't take any more time than necessary. In Hebrews chapter 12, very familiar passage. I'm going to read out of the Living Bible. And, and I just love the way this says it, verses one, starting verse 1. Here's what it says. Since we have such a huge crowd of men of faith watching us from the grandstands. Come on, everyone say, we are being watched. And, and they're not just watching, they're cheering us on. They're rooting for our faith. They're, they're praying for us daily, saying, come on, let their faith be strong. Let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back, and especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. Come on, look at someone and say, don't be tripping. When, when I read this verse right here, I can't help but think it's football season, and I love to see those open field tackles where they just jump in and grab that running back around the legs. He can go nowhere, so we can't allow as Christians people who serve God to allow the enemy or sin to come in and wrap us up to where we are in an open field tackle. Amen? No, no. Sometimes you just got to give him a good old stiff arm of faith. You got to shove him down. You got to put his mask in the dirt. Amen? Look at someone and say, put the devil down. It says, and let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. And that's one of the reasons I love this version, because it says the particular race. We run for the same cause. We run for the same purpose, but each of us have a particular race. You're not, you're not running my race. I'm not running your race. If you join us online today, you're not running my race. You're running a particular race. We're, we're winning, and we're running together to win. We know that we all have that same cause, Jesus Christ, and winning the lost, but we've got to run our race. We've got to make sure that particular race God has set before us is what we are running. The decisions we make today will be the stories we tell tomorrow. Everyone say stories. I've got three or four friends that I've known since we were 12 years old, and when we get together, how many got friends like that, you tell stories? 
uh, of things you did before, of, of times you were together and when you were teenagers, or maybe they bring up things you tried to forget. Maybe there's all kinds of stuff that goes on, but it's those stories that we live out. It's those stories that we know about. It's those stories. And here's the story I want to talk about today. You are a champion. Come on, look at someone and say, you are a champion. Now everyone together say, I am a champion. <laughs> the, the, the funny part is when we start talking like this, many things run through our minds. Well, pastor, you don't know. I am so far from being a champion. I'm so far from what a champion should look like. Well, today we're going to talk about a character in the Bible. His name is Jonah. For years we've called it Jonah and the Yeah, y'all know the story. Jonah and the well. I mean, people don't go to church know that story. And we don't want to concentrate today on the well. I want to concentrate on the call of God upon Jonah's life. I want to really concentrate upon the fact that Jonah was called by God to a particular race. Some have said that Jonah, God said go, and Jonah said no. And that's the story we pick up in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Here's what it says. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked the people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Anyone ever felt like you were running in the direction that took you away from the Lord? Some of you showed up today and you don't even know why you're here. Some of you were invited today and you said yes without thinking. Some of you are here because your spouse told you if you don't start going to church, this isn't going to work. Some of you might be here because you got a bad report from the doctor and now you're looking for some help. Some of you are here because there's a conviction in your heart. All I know is everyone that's here at one time or another has went the opposite direction which took them away from the presence of the Lord. Come on, y'all with me. Then it says, he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now, in Jonah's defense, uh, I know that it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be fun for any of us to hear God say, I want you to go to any city, and I want you to pronounce judgment upon that city. That doesn't sound like a fun assignment. That's not the particular race I want to run, especially if it's Nineveh. Nineveh was known as a people that when they captured people, they would bury them in the sand up to their neck. They would take a sword and cut their head off. They would then stack those skulls upon spears and so the enemies and the people around could view exactly how mean they were. That's not the city I want to say you're wicked to. I don't know about you, but that's not the place I want to walk into the neighborhood and say, hey, I'm here to tell you how bad you are. Are y'all with me? So the good news we see here is God speaks to us. He spoke to Jonah. He speaks to us. The bad news is sometimes we don't like what he says. He'll tell us things, and we want to receive it when it says you're going to be blessed. You're blessed in the city. You're blessed in the field. You're blessed coming. You're blessed going. But when he says this part of your race, this next John of your race, this next leg of your race, it's not going to be so fun. We want to say, get behind me, Satan. We want to act like no longer is it God because not everything we do in the race we run is always going to be fun. God never promised it's always going to be rainbows and butterflies. God never promised it's always going to be easy, but God said, I'll be with you. I will never leave you. I will go before you. I will protect you. I will always be with you. Amen? So I think that's vitally important that we understand that. If you make known to the enemy like Jonah, 
that you are running from the Lord, let me tell you what's going to happen. Satan's going to show up and be willing to be your Uber driver. He wants you to go that direction away from the Lord. He don't want you running the direction that God wants you to run. He don't want me going the direction God has for me. He don't want me running my particular race. He's going to show up and say, hop on in. I'm going to take you away from the Lord. And I think we all have to look at that and understand that the Bible says that Jonah went down. Everyone say Jonah went down. He went down to Joppa. He got onto the ship, went down into the belly of the ship. He went down into the ocean and finally down into the belly of a whale. He was actually the example of Johnny Cash's song, Burning Ring of Fire. He went down, down, down. The flames got higher and it burns, burns, burns. What is it? Yeah, y'all know that song. Bunch of sinners. Listen, here's the question I have that I ask myself. In the day that we fell apart, what is it that you're allowing to burn the destiny God has for you? What is it that we are allowing to be burned in our life by running from God and not running the particular race that God has for us? He didn't just send you to the Father's house to be comfortable sitting here listening to Pastor Terry, who, by the way, is one of the best communicators you'll ever hear. That should have been a bigger amen. <laughs> because it's true, he's one of the ones I do listen to on Sunday morning because I think he's that fantastic. He didn't just send you here to hear a worship team that's anointed, that brings and produces a you know, good experience on Sunday. He brought you here because he has you running a particular race to win the world to Jesus Christ. Come on, everyone say, win the world. There's three things I observed as I read just the verses that we read here. The first one is this. When we disobey God's will, we miss out on our best life. When we, when we disobey God's will, we miss out on our best life. The second one would be this. When we disobey God's will, the people around us can be affected. You'll notice when he's on the boat here in just a few moments, it wasn't just him he put in harm's way. It was the people that was connected to him. So many times we don't realize that our choices and our decisions don't just affect us. They affect the people around us. And the third thing is this, that when we disobey God's will, things get harder, not easier. Everyone say, more difficult. We don't want it difficult. We're looking for easy. I mean, Best Buy, you remember when they had the easy button? You could just hit the button, and, and, and now we have Amazon. Amazon, they're just delivering stuff by drones now. They'll get it to you any way you can to make it easy so you spend your money. Well, God, God's way don't seem to be the easiest, but I promise you in the end, it's the best life we could possibly live. Come on, everyone say, it's the best life. And here's, here's, here's the scripture. Look at this. In Jonah 1, verses 4 and 5, goes on to say this. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods. I don't know what their gods were. Oh, God of Oprah Winfrey, God of Tom Cruise, whatever it is. They're now shouting to gods that's not the one God for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was asleep down in the hole, the bottom of the ship. It's amazing, isn't it, how disobedience can just kind of rock you to sleep in your spiritual life. 
How disobedience can make you so far from God that you're not even conscious that what's going on around you. And here's what you do. You start to blame life. Life is so bad that God don't love you. God never sends a storm into our life to destroy us. In fact, God will never send anything with the ability to destroy our life. The purpose of a storm that God uses in your life is never to destroy you, but to cause you to come back to him, to cause you to run back to where you belong, to cause you to seek him out and his presence in your life. Amen? So God never allows anything like that whatsoever. In fact, here's how I like to say it. If it's good, it's God. If it's not, it's God working it out for our good. Right? You should write that down. If it's good, it's God. We know that from Romans 8, 28. If it's good, it's God. If it's not, it's God working it out for our good. Come on, look at someone and say, God is fighting for you. Jonah 1, verse 17, goes on to say this. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish. By the way, if you look in the Greek, that really does, that really does come out to be defined as a whale. To swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. I, I've heard a lot of people through the years have trouble believing this story. You really believe that story? Well, I believe in God. I've never seen him. I believe in Jesus. I've never seen him. I believe I'm going to have eternal life. That's a little preposterous. In a place called heaven I hear about, but I've never seen. If God can create the world, God can spread the universe, keep it in perfect harmony, I got a feeling God can preserve someone in a well for three days. Right? In fact, Jesus even confirms this in Matthew 12, verse 40 and 41. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish, what did he say? Ever say three days? So the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Jonah spent three days in the belly of the well because of his disobedience. Jesus spent three days in the belly of the earth for our disobedience. Jonah was spit out from the well to give him, God gave him a second chance. Jesus came forth from the earth to give us a second chance. Come on, y'all with me? So he's working all things together for our good. God created us to be champions. And you may be thinking, but I don't feel like a champion. My wife and I will tell you the day that we felt like we could not be champions. We were living in the belly of a whale. We, we were living in disobedience from God. We were running the opposite direction. We were in the back seat, a back seat of the Uber with Satan driving. And people did not give us a chance of return or restoration. But God, come on, but God. 27 years later, here we are restored, pastoring the church with three campuses in different states. Over a thousand people born again last year at the Rock campuses. God is a God of restoration. God is a God that doesn't make junk God is a God that called us all to be champions amen come on remind that person again they're a champion the only thing necessary to become a champion is the willingness to change your mind the only thing necessary to becoming a champion is is to change directions and your willingness decide to walk away from disobedience and into a life of obedience so here's some things Jonah changed in order to become a champion. And remember this, it's never too late to become who you could have been. It's never too late to become who you could have been. So here we go. Here's number one. Here's the first thought I want you to write down in the things that Jonah changed to become a champion. First one is this. Jonah changed his attitude through prayer. Jonah changed his attitude through prayer. Come on. Everyone say prayer. 
Prayer is not something we do just when we're in trouble. Prayer is communion through the Holy Spirit to a heavenly Father that loves us. Prayer is that communication that changes the heart of a man or a woman into the image of Jesus Christ. Prayer is that which causes us to not only live lives of obedience, but to enjoy living that life of obedience. Everyone say prayer. Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. Now that's, that's an experience we can all understand, huh? Some of y'all have prayed inside of the bar. Some of y'all have prayed on your way to commit an adultery and God saved your life. No, my car broke down, God saved me. God, don't tear your car up to, break, to, to save you. That's just a terrible running car. God speaks to us to save our lives. God intervenes with his spirit to change and save our lives. Amen? Look at this. He cried inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and the Lord, you heard me. Now, I might not feel like it, but when you cry to the Lord, he hears you. He heard you. He knows what you said. And he's on his way. God's response to us every time we pray is to run to us. You remember the story of the prodigal son? When the father saw him afar off, the father ran to the son. Why was he seeing him from afar off? Because the father was looking for the return. The father was hoping his son would come home. The father was hoping this prodigal would come back and say, Father, here I am. And the father waited patiently and saw him and ran to him. God's response to all of our prayers, God's response to all of us as people in our race, God's response to the destiny he's placed in our heart when we're blowing it is when there's a storm and we cry to him, he will run to us to receive us in that grace. Write this down. Prayer changes us by changing the way we think. Prayer changes us by changing the way we think. I love that. Changing the way we think will change the way we speak. Changing the way we speak will change the way we feel. Changing the way we feel will change our attitude. Come on, everyone say attitude. Anyone here ever have an attitude? Anyone here ever seen an attitude? Anyone here ever raised any children? How many knows they're terrific until they're two? And then attitude shows up. And they start acting just like you. Learned behavior is a problem. My children's biggest challenge is called DNA. Their mama is the only really good thing other than Jesus that ever happened to them. Mm, see, you judged me before I ever said it. <laughs> I, heard, I heard the story of a woman who went into a lawyer's office, and she was just done with her marriage. And she told the lawyer, I want out of my marriage. And I don't want just to get out of my marriage. He's hurt me so long, and he's been so cold to me that I want to hurt him. I, I really want to hurt him. And I don't mean just with finances. What are, what are your thoughts? How can I really hurt him? And the lawyer said, I have a plan. This works every time. I want you to go home for the next two or three months. I just want you to treat him like a king. 
She said, what? No, no, just stay with me. Go home, treat him like a king, make his favorite breakfast, rub his feet when he comes home. You make him feel like he's the cat's meow. Cook his favorite dinner, tell him how special he is, just really build him up. Then after two or three months, we'll have these paper signs. You throw them down and say, I was just messing with you. I want out of the marriage. That'll hurt him. And like most women, she goes, ooh, that's a good idea. I'm just kidding. But you guys laughed way too loud at that. And so she, she, sure enough, she says, I'll do that. She goes home. She starts treating her husband like a king. She starts doing everything the lawyer said. She's just saying, hey, you're the best thing that ever happened in my life. And after a couple months, the lawyer realized she never came back. So he called her and said, hey, are you ready to sign these divorce papers? And she said, divorce? I've discovered I really do love this man. Come on, everyone say, I can change. We've got to change what we focus on. We've got, we got to change what we look at. When we change the way we think and we're willing to do something differently, how many knows it's not someone else that always needs to change? Change starts within our own life. And not just in your marriage, maybe it's on your job and your career path. You go to work and you focus on those little idiosyncrasies that drive you crazy. Therefore, you hate your job and you wonder why you get fired and have to get a new job and you haven't found a career yet. Maybe it's with your family. Maybe it's your, your children. You've looked at them and said, I've made one of you and I can make another one. I'll take you out. Maybe, maybe it is in your marriage. Maybe it's in your church. I can't imagine that right here at the Father's house. I can't imagine Pastor Terry ever making someone upset. Pastor Anita, I totally understand how you would, how you would never be upset with her. Y'all are some judging people. Let me finish. Right? But here's what I found out as a pastor, and this is true, that there can be one or two disgruntled people that can walk out and talk about the pastor, and there's four or five or six family or people willing to listen to it and get the same attitude. Forget the thousands of people that come here. Forget the hundreds of people that fellowship here. Forget the lives that are changed. I just want to believe what I heard and what I feel. How about believing and thinking and hearing something good and positive about what God is doing at the Father's house? Because I can tell you from being a pastor for 30 years, there's no such thing as a perfect church. If you're looking for a perfect church, you messed it up when you walked in. Because <laughs> there's no such thing as perfect people. Come on, look at someone and say, you're jacked up. Y'all enjoyed that a little bit too much. Psalm, listen to this, I think it's important we hear exactly what the enemy says, I mean what the Bible says. Listen, I look up to the mountain, Psalm 121, 1 and 2, I look up to the mountain. Does that... Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Why are we looking to the mountains? Why are we looking to the bank? Why are we looking to the economy? Why are we watching Washington, D.C.? Why, why are we trusting our congressmen? Why do we believe we have to put our, our eyes anywhere else? No, my help comes from the Lord who created the heavens and the earth. When I concentrate on who he is, man, everything around me changes. Why? Because I've changed. There's a new life because I've become new. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When I concentrate on that, I don't have time for a bunch of old things. God is a God of new beginnings, new things, new starts. Everyone say, it's all new. Which brings me to point number two. Write this one down. Jonah, Jonah changed his outlook through praise. Jonah 
changed his outlook through praise. Come on, everyone say praise. <laughs> Jonah chapter 2, verse 9. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. I love this. I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. When you begin to praise the Lord in your problems, your problems become a problem for your problems. Your praise becomes a problem for your problems. Amen? Well, think about that. When you concentrate on the problem, you, you focus on the problem, all you see is the problems. But when you praise God, your praise becomes a problem for your problems. Well, Pastor, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. You're asking some really good questions today. Look at this. Psalm 8-2 in the Passion Translation, one of my favorite verses and one of my favorite versions. You have built a stronghold by the songs of babies. Strength rises up with the chorus of singing children. This kind of praise has the power to shut the devil's mouth. Man, there's like 20 of you got that. This kind of praise has the power to shut the devil's mouth. Everyone say, shut your mouth. That was good. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. When we praise God, it drowns out the voice of the devil. When we praise God, it drowns out the negativity that this world and the enemy wants to bring. When we praise God, it focuses our minds upon the thoughts of God and how good he is. When we praise God, we don't have time to complain about our spouse and how he's not taking out the garbage or she's not doing her duties. And when we praise God, we don't have to worry about the tyrant, the two years old, and the teenager that's the same way. We don't, we don't have to think about it because we're busy praising God. Come on, write this down in your notes. I love it. When we open our mouth in praise... Satan has to close his. <laughs> when we open our mouth in praise, Satan has to close his. If this is where you are right now and you don't know what to do, let me give you a piece of advice. Maybe you're like, Pastor, I'm hearing you. I, I hear what you're saying. I don't know what to do right now. Go back to the last thing God asked you to do. Just go back to the last thing you know was the voice of God. Just go back to that last moment that God was directing you. Because somewhere when you move beyond that, he wasn't directing you yet. And if God is silent, that makes two of us. I don't move unless he moves. I don't speak unless he speaks. I don't do unless he does. I don't go unless he says go. So you go back to that last place where God spoke to you and you rest there in his strength. You wait there in his strength. You get counsel there and you begin to change the way you live. Amen? Which brings me to my last point, number three. Here we go. Jonah changed his direction through obedience. Jonah changed his direction through obedience. Everyone say obedience. I've said it before and some of you have heard it, but when my wife and I went through our divorce is when I really learned what it was not to use the message as a sermon or to help another person, but it's when it became the word of life to me. It's when... It's when we were at our worst, that I focused on God, I, I became obedient to the scripture, and God became his best. At my worst, God is at his best. In my weakness, his strength 
is made perfect. That's the word of God, amen? So when my wife would call me, who is now my ex-wife, and she would say to me, how you doing? I'd say, I'm doing fine. I just want you to know I was praying. This was like three days after our divorce. And I felt like God told me he's going to restore our marriage. And she said, you poor, pitiful man, it's over. It's time to move on. Yeah, it was sad. But the Lord told me, stay true to your faith. You work with me, and I'll work with you. Every time she'd call, I'd say, hey, when, when we remarry, are we going to live in California? That's where I was living. Or are we going to move back home to Arizona? Where we? And she said, you silly man. Just come on, stop that. But it wasn't long until one day she said, well, if we did get back together, what would we do with the house? And I went, dang, this faith thing is working. <laughs> Leave it to a preacher to learn faith works. After preaching it for seven years at that time, I was already preaching. I knew the Bible. I just knew it was good for everyone else. Now when I brought it to obedience in my own life, now when I brought it to words of life for me every morning, now when I begin to concentrate and contemplate the Word of God, I begin to use it now as a weapon of my warfare. And God restored our marriage because of what? Everyone say obedience. Here, here are some culture statements I found, cultural statements that I looked up and you can, you can find these on Google. Here's the first one. To obey the rules is to miss the fun. <laughs> to obey the rules is to miss the fun. That's how the world thinks. Here's another one. Obeying the rules may be smart, but a fool throws the best parties. Y'all see on the news, Airbnb, that house that was rented out, and it was for 12 people, but 100 showed up and five was shot and killed. That don't sound like a good party. That sounds like a bunch of fools hanging out. Here's another one. If you think disobedience is dangerous, try routine. It's lethal. And on and on and on they go of how they want the culture to become disobedient, ruleless people, lawless people. But we know that law is not meant to bind us. Law is meant to really teach us what liberty is all about. Order. God is not coming to bind you from fun. You want fun? Become a Christian and hang with me because wherever I go, it's a party. My wife will tell you, she didn't take me back because of my looks. I know it's hard to believe, but I look in the mirror and go, oh, it's a miracle, Jesus. It's a true miracle, right? I don't think he came to bind us from a good life, a blessed life, a fun life. You want to have fun? I'm telling you, hang out with the right Christians. Amen? Don't hang out with a bunch of legal Pharisees. Don't hang out with a bunch of religious people. Church is not about religion. It's about a relationship. You want religion, you can go anywhere. You can go to the Buddhist temple and get religion. But this isn't about me having a religion. This is about me believing Jesus Christ, the Son of God, crucified my, for my sins, risen from the dead, and, and, and that blood applied to me. Past, present, and future sins. Everyone say future sins. Now, now, see, if I took a survey, I'd say, how many of you sinned in the last week? You all would be like, uh, <laughs> thank you. And I can say, how many of you sinned in the last couple of days? How many of you sinned on the way to church? How many sinned while you were sitting here? <laughs> you judging me? I know some of y'all judging me. That's a sin. Some of you sitting here thinking about how you're going to sin when you leave here. Some young camera like, I'm glad I'm not there. No, you should be here. It's a sin. I'm just kidding. 
Come on, y'all with me. Obedience. Everyone say obedience. The greatest test in life isn't how to pay your bills. The greatest test in life isn't how to keep your temper in control. The greatest test in life is obeying God. It's the one thing we're challenged on all the time, how to obey God, how to fulfill his will, how to become all he's created us to be. It's the greatest challenge. Anyone can disobey. You remember when you had your young children, you did not have to teach them how to lie. They already knew how. Did you get a cookie? Mm-mm. You did not have to teach them how to steal. There's more than one of us that was checking out and realized something was in our cart that didn't belong there. I used to blame it on my kids. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So the obedient life is the challenge. The flesh can do anything and feel okay unless the Holy Spirit's there. Unless some obedience from God is within us, the flesh will run amok. We'll run through divorce after divorce. And there's, I'm not, that's not a message of condemnation. Maybe you've been married once or twice or three times, or maybe you're Henry VIII. I don't know. I'm just saying wherever you are, learn now to obey because you can change your direction by obedience. Ever say obedience. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 says it this way, to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey, the word obey there means listening with the intention to learn. It's better than sacrifice, and the word sacrifice there means to walk around giving stuff up. So it's better to listen with the intent of learning your lesson than to walk around and constantly give things up. Your freedom of disobedience is not freedom at all. It's binding you from the best life. You think it's fun, but when the fun's over and the laughter's gone and you lay awake at night and you're contemplating your future, you and I both know, because I've been on that side of it, how different life is at that time. Uh, Jonah was certainly learning that lesson. Look at Jonah 2.10. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Wouldn't you love to have been standing right there? I mean, honestly, do you ever read the Bible like this? I'm sitting there going, this would be the weirdest moment of my life well comes up and this guy comes out i don't know i personally feel like he came out preaching like repent repent don't get on a boat till you repent don't go fishing (laughs) come on (laughs) y'all with me look at this jonah 3 verses 1 through 3 Then the Lord spoke to Jonah. Ever say then. Then, at that moment, God never left him. From the time he called him to the time he's laying on the beach in the middle of whatever else was in that well's belly. You all get the picture. From that moment that Jonah heard God say, go, And Jonah said no. God heard his prayer. God listened to his cry. And the moment Jonah comes out into a new life, then, everyone say then. Some of you are just waiting on your then and don't know it. Some of you need to let today be your then. 
Some of you have been to certain places, and it's, it's like when you go to the mall. You've been to the mall, and you're looking for a store. You notice to find out where the store is, there's a little red dot, and it says, you are, come on, you are, you are. Well, from here, you can go anywhere. From here, you don't even have to have a destination. You can wander somewhere. But when God has been considered, the moment you know where you are, then <laughs> he is there to give you your assignment. He is there to bless your life. He is there to fulfill your destiny. He is there to remind you who he's created you to be. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. He's a God of second chances, third chances, fifth chances, tenth chances, twelfth chances. Don't give up. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time... Jonah may have been a little slow the first time, but this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Champions aren't always the smartest, bravest, most talented people. They just become the most available people. They just become people who avail themselves to the will of God. Remember, once again, what, God is, what has God asked you to do today? Because from here you can go anywhere. But the thing you have to do today is this. Be willing to change whatever is necessary to fulfill the destiny God has for you. That's the making of champions. See, God created you to be a champion. You're the one who has tore down the image of God in your life. You walk into obedience, when you walk into the Word, when you walk in that place, not only will your life change, the lives around you will change. The Father's house will change. Your community will change. It doesn't matter if you live in the villages or if you live across the street. Your community will change. Wherever you're at will be different because where there's darkness and you show up, light will shine. And when light shines, people are set free. They're set free from what they think is, come on, just a party. What they think is fun. What they think is, is unbinding. They're bound in their sin. They're dead and there's their trespasses. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Amen? Come on, look at someone and say, just get a little salty. Can we just pray? Can we do that? Father, we just thank you for your love and your grace. And thank you for your goodness. And God, we can never outrun your presence. David said, even if I make my bed in hell, you're there, Lord. That when Jonah called upon you, you heard him in the middle of the belly of the well. And you were waiting on him when he came to the shore. So the heads are bowed and eyes are closed today. Listen, if you're here, maybe you say, Pastor Kevin, I'm born again. I know Jesus Christ. I know I'm going to heaven. I know all things are good with me and God. But yet there's some things you said today. There's some things during your talk that gave me thought for pause. i got to make some alterations and adjustment in my spiritual walk. I need to mature. I need to grow. And you want prayer for that? And a way of asking for prayer, although you're a Christian, come on, just slip your hand up. I'm right back down saying, yes, that's me. Good, 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 good. You can put them up right back down. Thank you, thank you. Thank you there in the back. Thank you. You can put them right back down. Thank you, thank you, sir. Thank you. That's good. So many hands. So many hands. Father, I pray for every one of those individuals who said they want to walk into a new dimension of their faith. They want to walk into a new obedience. They want to walk into a willingness to become the champion you've created them to be. The destiny you've created for them. God, that they'll walk away from anything that would hold them back. That, that thing that trips them up. They'll walk away and they'll walk into the fullness of your plan, your purpose, and pursue the destiny that you have for them. Now one more question. I'm going to turn it to Pastor Terry. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord? 
I'm not asking you if you went to church as a child, you were baptized as a baby, or if you're a good person. Those are not means of salvation. I can prove it by the Bible. The Bible says all of us have sinned, and we've come short of God's best. Sin separates us from God. It's not that you're necessarily a horrible person, or you're out doing horrible things, but because man sinned, sin passed through all of us. Sin separates us from God, therefore we were born separated from God. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for sins. In the Old Testament, that's why they would take a lamb, known as the firstborn, or a spotless lamb, and a lamb without blemish. They would, they would sacrifice that animal. The high priest would take the blood from that animal's sacrifice and offer it in ceremonial fashion to cover the people's sins for one year, and they would do it every year. But God didn't desire sacrifice. He desired obedience. So that's why Jesus came from earth, I mean from heaven to earth. He took on the form of a man. He lived a sinless life. That's why he's referred to as the spotless Lamb of God. At the end of his life, they led him to a cross where he laid his life down. They crucified him, spilling out his blood. After, after that, they buried him. But three days later, he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death because he loved us that much. The book of Romans says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. There it is, that salvation. What does it mean to be saved? First of all, it means saved from empty life on this earth. That void, that chasm, that emptiness in your heart where you say there must be more to life than this. And there is, but it's not something, it's someone. His name is Jesus. Maybe you've tried to fill it with drugs or alcohol, parties, relationships, business, money, career, hobbies, busyness, but you still feel empty because Jesus is the only one. Secondly, we saved into a place called heaven. Heaven's a perfect place. No more sickness, no more disease, no more pain. Love, joy, peace in the presence of Jesus is those that you love, those you influence to go with you for eternity. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father, which is in heaven, but by me. So I'm talking directly to you today. Those of you who maybe you've not confessed Jesus. You thought being a good person, going to church, being baptized. No, no, no. Jesus, you must confess him. So with heads are bowed, eyes are closed, people are praying. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to put a spotlight on you. I'm not going to have you come forward. I just want to pray for you where you're at, like I prayed for the others. So if you're here, you know you need Jesus. You want heaven to be your future. You need to commit your life to God. Come on, as these others already have, just slip your hand up and right back down right now. Just flip it up. God bless you. There's one. God bless you. There's two, three, four, five. Is there someone else? Six. God bless you. Put them right back down. You can put them right back down. There's seven. There's eight. Thank you so much. Is there anyone else? You say, Pastor Kevin, that's me. Include me in that prayer. Maybe online right now. You're making that confession. God bless you. There's nine. Is there another? Is there someone else? God bless you. I see you, young man. There's ten. Thank you. Thank you, sir. There's eleven. All right. Come on. Is there anyone else? That you're, don't fight it. Don't fight it. If you feel that urgency, that's the Holy Spirit dealing with you. There's 11. Is there another? All right. God bless you. Thank you, young man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Come on. These from 12 years old to 20 years old, some of you look like in your later years, it doesn't matter. Anyone can come. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Pastor Terry to come because I think as the pastor of this house, he needs to lead you all to Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray this prayer together. Father God, we thank you today for your love to us, that you never gave up on us. And so we come to you today, and we ask you to forgive us of our sins and to be the Lord of our life. We confess it with our mouth and believe in our heart that you are Lord 
and that God raised you from the dead to give me a new chance, a new beginning. Fill me with your spirit as best as I know how. I want to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.